This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with the marvelous Nicholas. Well, you know, I don't know if I'd say I'm marvelous, but I'm feeling pretty hard and shiny today. So I would say, yes, I am a piece of marble. A piece of marble? Yeah. So like you said, marvelous. I, I heard it as marvelous. And so I thought it was funny. So I just went with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So how are you today? Um, I'm okay. I'm trying to catch up on stuff. I got a lot of a lot of things I got to do. You know, like they're one-time things, finish paperwork up and call these brides and things that if I get them done, I freeze up more time for other stuff. Yeah, from my understanding, you have like a billion jobs already this year. Uh, a billion's a bit of an oversell. No, I at the currently I have forty-five. Wow, forty-five. That's that's a heck of a start as, as you're still coming into the season. And I just recently had the Chamber of Commerce leader here in Duran was hoping you still have one more tasting out in this area. I will not be doing a tasting out in that area. <laughs> I don't know why they why why it has to be out there. You know, I I will say this that for me being a caterer that I've been doing this now since you know the, the catering thing since 2017/18 the end of it. It astonishes me how many people expect you to bring the food to them for them to taste because you know you want their business but like it's it's food like let me ask you a question what tastes better getting takeout or sitting at like the place it's made where you get it hot and fresh so it really it it bothers me i have a lady right now in novi she wants to book me for a taco nacho bar i have a sampling coming up in april 16th that is free to prospective brides or anyone that hasn't been to one yet she wants me to make a mini taco nacho bar and drive it to her so she can try it (laughs) well you know we're all wanting things right now and in our way so i can see how that would happen well it's human nature to want things your way or you know to be slightly skewered in your way but it's still frustrating as a business owner well and i have to sell myself out during this time at the moment because over the last few months just trying to get dabble situated and getting all of my other responsibilities in order so that i can actually function like a normal person Mm -hmm. i have done absolutely terrible 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 in any of my sustainability actions energy in the home energy in the business this building currently sells bottled water like i have done a horrible job structuring any of these things with sustainability. And I've actually st- taken a step back. I've quit bricking my plastics for a while, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because I was talking to Jameson. I'm like, my goodness, look at the amount of trash we're taking out. And she's like, uh, you've quit burning your papers and you've quit bricking your plastics. And that's mm-hmm. when I realized, oh, I'm falling off the wagon, just You're like, like you, just like you would for like uh, a diet or something. You're like, oh, I suck again. Yeah, that's really what it is. I'm like, just sitting, and it just keeps playing over and over and over in my head. And I, you know, we we open dabble for a day, and we're doing things, and then all of a sudden, I'm looking over. I have one trash can. I'm thinking, oh no, I have to have a recycle. I have to have a water bottle one. And we may still use water bottles here, but only because we're going to reuse the water bottles. We use them for projects, but. I got to collect them. I got to be able to have ways to collect. Just having the the recycle stuff on the wall is not enough. <laughs> so I want to pitch an idea to you. Having water bottles there, you know, I understand using them for um, like the projects, the experiments and, and the stuff with Dabble. I get that. But like, and I understand that they're really cheap and it is, it's infuriatingly cheap. Like it, it makes me so angry to know that I could get like a 36 pack of water for like four bucks. I really hate it. I know I said this, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not because it's so much waste for mm-hmm. literally like pocket change. And while I don't believe you should pay for water, I do think we should pay for water in a more recyclable container, which is why I want to pitch something to you. Have you ever heard about liquid death? Liquid death? Yes. 
No, I have not, but it does not sound good. So uh, we seen a commercial for it at the Super Bowl, and I didn't even pay attention. I was too busy eating nachos. But Liquid Death is a brand of Mountain Spring Water, <laughs> and it comes in these big, tall boy, twelve ounce aluminum cans. It looks like a beer or an energy drink. It's just water. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's hilarious. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. Liquid Death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it kills your thirst. <laughs> oh, that is so funny to me. Huh. All right then. It's like twenty one dollars for I think it's a twelve pack or something. So it's it's a it's about dollar seventy a can or so. But uh, it's I don't know. It's it aluminum is recyclable. Plastic really isn't. At least not that not that plastic downgrades so much. It's insane. Unless only you can recycle that is to reuse it, repurpose it. You can't really melt that down. Well, no, I had not heard of liquid death as for water, but what I have thought about is just getting the jugs, the large jugs, because I don't actually want to charge anything for water. What I would like to have is a situation where we have a, like a water cooler and that is free and anybody could use it whenever they want. We just have it refilled and then we would go with, you know, people who purchase sodas and stuff like that. So bulk water is my preference i just haven't got that far those dispensers aren't that expensive i'm not i know that i'm really good at telling you how to spend your money it's it's a gift but i think you can buy one of those dispensers uh one of the chilled ones that has a that has a tall enough dispenser portion for water bottles i think they're only like 150 or 200 dollars. i don't think they're that much yeah it's on the list it's one of those things that right now we just got the sign up on the building i've so seen that look so sharp once we are like situated, then I have to go inch by inch and start fixing things because I want to change the lighting. I want to do do all the things that I know I already know how to do. I just need to do them now. And that is it's been plaguing me ever since Jamie made the comment that I have quit doing those little actions at home. Well, there's that. But also, you've always had a bad habit of like looking at a job like I have to do this and this and this and like and you had you see yourself doing all of it. So obviously it's going to take longer. You're allowed to delegate to people like you are just throwing that out there. If you do every single thing yourself, of course, it's going to take longer to get done. Hey, I've started to delegate. We had a, a gentleman here not too long ago, kilting and preparing the studio because I haven't even started our studio yet. But now it started because i delegated <laughs> well whatever it takes little by little <laughs> i know it's uh that is a very bad habit of mine mm -hmm. and, and i'm trying to get better at it but i think what i'm doing here is like phase one is just getting everything functional phase two will be getting back to the details and that's just i wanted to make sure i told everybody out there that even the people who do these shows fall off that wagon and it has nothing to do with falling off the wagon it's making sure we get back on uh, yeah absolutely i mean i think that's a good model for anything in life that uh, a lot of times when you try to make good changes if everything's easy in the rest of your life then this changes stick and there's not a problem but when things get hectic and hard obviously some things are going to slip a little bit but that's okay as long as you you notice that you make the effort to get back on the wagon yep so i'm selling myself out in public but i promise to get back at it anyways let's get on track for this week this is something i will really enjoy discussing i'm not sure if you will or not but i find it super interesting and that is especially considering we're gonna i'm gonna be speaking about the future of downtowns and the future of cities here soon this is smart cities i want to yeah. talk about what a smart city is, what it should be, and a lot of times what people pretend that it is. <clears throat> okay. For example, if you ever go down a road where all the street lights are timed perfectly, where if you're driving the speed limit and it's green, it's going to be green all the way down. Uh, those are what I call like unicorn moments. It very seldom ever happens to me. It's usually the opposite. I'm in a hurry. Look, red, 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 red. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. And because, okay, so a little fun fact about that. Um, that's normal. If you if you take your day at your normal pace, you should be accustomed to the normal cycles of the other traffic and the lights and the timing. So obviously, when you're running late, you're going to see a lot more red lights because you would have otherwise already been past them. Or you would have left before they showed up, depending on your normal schedule. So, well, but yeah, it's frustrating. A lot of times people think that those that's an attribute of a smart city, and it's not. No, it's, it's 
it's just an analog setup where they just plug it in and try to create try to reduce traffic congestion through timing yeah they just well that's why they they, you know periodically will put that counter sorry across the road for a couple days to count the amount of traffic and like how heavy it is so they can change the timing really to be honest at, at best it's just a really really mathematical huge guess it's not even like it's like there's no ai involved it's not like intelligent it's okay. We had 500 cars pass from this time to this time on this state here, and then 750 from this time to this time. You know, what's the correlation? Blah, blah, blah. And they just plug those magic numbers in, and here you go. Well, and it's no different than some large cities have observers, people who work in kind of a control central and help control the street lights and different mm-hmm. things. That is also not a smart city. That is just That's a manual control. <laughs> That's a, it's a, that is a Sims game. That, well, if it's a very important Sims game, we don't want them to like decide it's a game because it could get ugly. Mm-hmm. But smart cities actually run off of the Internet of Things, this intercommunication from each piece where it independently functions without a person. Mm-hmm. It's not AI because AI makes, in a sense, decisions, but it's very much machine learning. And then using communication through the internet back and forth to be able to maximize our efficiencies in all ways. So when you look at that, you have a whole city designed this way. You know, if anybody's ever heard me talking about urban planning, I like to, to me, it's really fun. I like urban planning. It's one of those things I learned in college that I didn't mean to learn. And Mm -hmm. then, then I got here to Duran and became part of the planning commission. And it really is interesting. Okay, to be fair as your brother, like that is not surprising to me now that I see the, the big picture. But like my, our entire lives, there was two video games you always played. Sid Meier's Civilization and Madden Football, generally on the coaching mode. So I should have known a long time ago, you just like to organize stuff and make it happen. <laughs> so like, like you're literally playing your whole life is now a Sims game. It really is. It's very entertaining. I really enjoy it. But I I really like that planning process, and I constantly preach making sure every square inch is what it should be when it comes to being a uh, a person centric city. Okay, and that's the concept between us. Uh, that's the concept of a smart city. Everything functions for the flow of the city and the residents within. Oh, the sarcasm is strong today. I'm not. I'm going to try to keep my comments to a minimum. <laughs> well, and w- with efficiencies comes sustainability or long-term sustainability. So you have a lot of different aspects. You have, you know, you have to pick the right materials that are going to accomplish whatever you want to do. You want the infrastructure itself to be functioning like an organism. You want it to be able to be in a nonstop flux so that things flow properly. That seems like that's the most important part, though. Without the infrastructure, nothing else is really possible. Well, and that's that is the backbone of the whole process. So the infrastructure is your your buildings, your energy grid, your transportation process, and the transportation modes, your all your municipal services, your water, your your utilities, all these things kind of interconnect your waste management, your fire and police. These things all have to be done in the most e- efficient possible way. It drives down the cost, and it and it creates a better living experience for everybody involved. Now, is there a city out there that has accomplished this? No. Not, I mean, there's pieces. They have little pieces. They're working on creating full smart cities. Well, yeah, but I, I think – I okay, so just spitballing from the idiot's perspective here. I think it'd be a, a little out of the question if there was a city that's accomplished this because – we're kind of slowly but surely talking about kind of rebuilding an entire city, starting with infrastructure and moving up. And all the cities are old unless they build a brand new one that, that you know, they start a new place to live. It'd be really hard to believe that there's any city that's accomplished this yet. Well, and I don't believe I'm not a I'm not a believer in there's going to be new cities. What I'm a believer in is you take a large city that has failed, that has been devastated for one reason or another. And when you redesign and rebuild that city, you do it in this manner. Well, you effectively make it a new city, but 
I, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're going to build some kind of giant, you know, metroplex. I'm not talking about like some apocalyptic, crazy thing. Uh, I'm just saying that, like, because all the cities are old, and and the country itself, you know, only a couple hundred years old, so everything that's here has pretty much been here the whole time. It makes sense why there isn't any that have achieved it yet. Well, it's like I've always said: it's either small towns that are growing, or those big cities that have shrunk, are your best opportunities. Oh, Flint's so- a prime candidate. Flint is by is a perfect candidate to redesign into a 100% smart city. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be an amazing project and be a blast. Uh, same thing here in Durant, where a small town that is growing, we could do the same thing. It's just a matter of need. It's a matter of funding. It's a matter of will because it it's a big change. Everything is tracked, but it's not tracked because you're a good guy or bad guy it's not big brother it is literally attempting to create the the best living environment Mm -hmm. so the goals of smart cities obviously are threefold and it's the same three legs that we see in the triple bottom line for businesses these days the ones who are trying to do it right Mm-hmm. Same thing happens with people really trying to build a technologically advanced city. It is you. The first is always the same is you got to make sure that it is economically viable and that mm-hmm. the city itself is optimized for economics. Honestly, in a small scale, if you've listened to us in the past and talking about walkability in towns, that's really what we're doing in Duran is creating a, a better economic environment by taking people out of the vehicle and putting them on foot yeah you want people to want to be there you want them to want to to spend money there and continue to help support the community by being part of it right and then there's areas around us that are so busy i won't go there because they're too busy you can't stop anywhere if if you're you only go there when you're forced to go there that is how a city can screw up its own economic system mm-hmm. by being too busy no one wants to actually stop and shop or no one want, wants to go to any vendor or any company in that area. So you, you got to create this flow. Yeah. There, well, there is something to, to say about uh, a lot of people feeling areas when, when you say too busy, I, I look at it as two different perspectives and ultimately they're the same thing, but like one is there's, when you say too busy, I look at, super big cities and the traffic is a nightmare and parking is a nightmare. And you, maybe you would love to park somewhere and shop for a couple hours, but you don't want to waste the time to find a parking space. You don't want to try to fight traffic and, and you don't want to have to fight. You know, a lot of those cities have one way. So you might have to go two blocks out of your way just to get back going the direction you are. And that's, that's one type of busy. But then the other one is that oftentimes in these, these cramped situations, people are kind of a little on the negative side. They get, they get over um, overstimulated, you know, things have a tendency to be too populated. So if there's too much stuff going on, even if you want to be there, you don't want to be there. It's it's right. it's a very hard thing to express if you've never experienced that that just being overwhelmed by simply standing there, like watching everything going around. It'd be like being a bee to watching an ant colony. You're like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So well, yeah. And the, the one of the concepts is <clears throat> creating that comfort. Mm-hmm. So the second leg of the three legs of this is the social aspect. It has to be appealing to the person. And that doesn't create that anxiety just for being there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cities I've gone to in the past few years that just being there. Is anything necessarily happening? No, but it's so overwhelming that it is not comfortable. And that is part of creating smart cities, which gives the feeling of space. It gives the feeling of that, that freedom and comfort. The only way I can give examples is like what we're doing here in Durand. Again, we're trying to create the walkability. So in order to get someone from point A to point B, we have to assume the most amount of comfort needed. Wider sidewalks, extra benches, shade, excellent lighting. These are the things that will get someone to walk from one spot to another. Well, really, what what you want to try to duplicate is the the simplistic amenities of like an outlet mall. I'm not saying you want your 
town to be a mall, but if everything you're describing is exactly how outlet malls, big ones, are designed. Yeah, every couple stories, you get these big benches. You have sometimes you have uh, areas to rest, to to get refreshments, to get food. The lighting's excellent. The it's it's usually very friendly it's usually kept up and it's clean and that's the reason they're designed that way it's also the reason that malls indoor malls are designed the way they are an indoor mall is designed where the central location of the mall is generally where you go with your food and you sit down and you relax and the outer areas where you do your shopping as to where an outlet malls um everything's outside and it's you're able to kind of enjoy nature while you go store to store um really you could kind of use those as like a big city versus a small town kind of scenario in terms of an example. I know that's probably not what you were thinking, but that's all I think of when you talk about it. No, it, it, the, the psychology is the same. It doesn't matter if it was thought of for malls or thought of in small towns or now being retrofitted for large towns mm -hmm. where they take away a good chunk of that extra parking to create green spaces with, with places to sit and maybe have a meal or read a book or making sure there's plenty of shade where people are, even though you're in a city and you know, when I say city, you think of like downtown New York where it's cramped, but you create these openings, these spaces where people can walk down the street and not have the sun beating down on them to feel like you're still in a common outdoor space, even though there's a skyscraper to your right kind of thing. So they, it is that they want to keep the social side of it comfortable. And the last leg kind of feeds into that is the environmental side you want the highest efficiency the least amount of waste and green space places mm -hmm. for nature to be integrated into your city and not necessarily fully excluded now do we want wolves roaming the cities probably not but we definitely want birds we want other we want insects we want all the things we need in those towns and that's part of that built environment okay so what that actually, that last thing kind of bothers me. Not um, after the wolves, not the wolves. No, don't worry about that. I'm not ridiculous. But what I don't like about it, it's the only part I don't like, is just the idea that like when you have these green spaces, like animals are going to come to them and, and bugs and birds and anything that can fly is fine. But when it comes to smaller mammals, that's a big issue in cities. They're pretty much on a death sentence. I mean, well, I'd love to say I'm wrong, but if, if a raccoon or a possum or or squirrels they wander to those roads, that's that's terrible. So that makes that that uh, that alone makes me sad. And that exists no matter what city. It doesn't matter smart city, regular city. That's just that's what happens when humans expand into you know nature. It it does or brings the nature back into what they've already destroyed. Which it's like a I don't know how to they, they I don't know I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm sorry, Michael. <laughs> well, it's also like replacing let's say maybe 10 bricks in a building to have the little bee, bee holes in them. You ever see yeah. the bricks that have those? I have it, not actually. It is just drilled holes into a brick that are different sizes so that insects and, and primarily bees have a place, have a place okay. to go. Nighttime, that's, their, that's like little bee hotels, you know, and giving those little spots throughout the city. So you want to accommodate not only what humans think is the most important, which is the economic side, but we want them to have that social understanding and feel comfortable themselves, that psychological social part, but also cater to the built to the environment, all within the same system that works in one large symbiotic relationship that can continue to grow without hitting these limits. And you do that through the Internet of Things, where everything communicates with itself to help alleviate traffic, to help alleviate any kind of congestion, to keep the energy flow as it needs to. For example, let's start with just buildings. So we change the scope from the city down to the building scale. Okay. So you start creating your structures more like we do a passive house. Remember, we've talked in the past about those net zero homes or close to zero mm -hmm. homes where energy, the orientation matters. Are they getting sun? You know, is this something that they can reduce their heating and cooling through orientation? Are they picking the right materials to be able to collect or release energy? They build these homes or they build these buildings to take the least amount from the system so i think that that in itself is probably the best place that you could start as we're talking about it i, I when you look at these big cities and these huge skyscrapers 
there's two problems I see with that. One, every giant skyscraper was some architect's attempt to put his face on the planet forever. I look at it as pure ego. And two, I look at it as it's just empty space. So they build these ginormous buildings with the promise of, oh, so many offices and so much lodging and blah, blah, blah. And then after a couple of decades, you see these huge buildings with like 15 to anywhere, you know, up to 70 floors. And it'll say, you know, 45,000 square feet or 200,000 square feet. And they're, they're for sale or for rent with a huge lease because they're, there's almost no reason to occupy such a space. And if a company does occupy it, it's, oh, we're going to move our accounting firm to the, you know, the, the Rothensberger building, we need one floor. It's got 45. We need one. Right. Or it, a lot of times those companies buy those things to brand them. Yeah. They want to put their sign out there so everybody sees it. That's what I mean, though. But I'm not talking about buying them. Just the fact that they're built is just it's just a waste. It's um, It's a great way to just blow money away real fast. Well, remember, we went through a phase. We went through a phase in, in the United States where we wanted to build these big monstrosities. And I don't mean just, you know, skyscrapers for business, but malls, the larger strip malls, all these things that are dying now. We was, I think it's probably 80s through 08s, roughly, where mm-hmm. they just built as many as they could. Well, massive, cap- massive shopping complexes. Mm-hmm. It was capitalizing on convenience. Well, now convenience no longer dictates we need to go somewhere else to get our goods. Through online shopping and e-commerce, we can get all our stuff we need online. It can be delivered right to us. Maybe not as fast as we like it per se, but if you give someone, hey, do you want to? Do you want that right now? Do you want to get your car and drive an hour and take a shower and get all you know prettied up to go buy something, or do you want to just stay in your PJs with a cup of hot chocolate and order it and get it tomorrow morning from Amazon? Oh, right. I, I could bet nine times to 10, I, they're going Amazon. Right. We, we just evolved beyond it is what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and now, now we have all these massive structures. So when you retrofit and you go back to creating these smart cities, it's a lot like getting a home assistant for your house. If you have, you know, Google or Amazon, I'm not going to say the names that turn them on. Cause if someone's listening to this, all of a sudden their house starts lighting up with <laughs> questions. <laughs> Oh, I say I say home assistant because none of them respond to it. But it's the same as what we do in our homes. You can create some efficiencies that way where things are interconnected. It's a very small and primitive scale compared to a large building. Mm-hmm. But but you can have things set. If there's no one on that floor, that floor should shut down. And not just, you know, be ready at standby, but shut down. Like the, like the breaker is off, kind of shut down. That whole floor is just not being used. If someone hits the button on the elevator that says they're going to that floor, by the time they get to it, it's lit and heated. I actually think you could do control the water use the same way. Because if it's not, if if you have a ridiculously huge building and it's not heated, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout most of the Midwest and really East Coast, well, well, most of Northern states, it gets pretty cold in the winter. So they've got to be heated per se or at the minimal pipe, levels. Yeah. Or just turn the water, turn, you know, shut the water off to that level. Not they can't explode if it's not full. Right. Well, and that's what happens is, is you have this automated cleaning. So like the Roomba, if you will, example, mm-hmm. automated cleanings, you have energy levels drop to the, the minimum. If, if, you know, if it has to maintain a temperature over freezing, then the room sits at 50 kind of thing you know so they bring it down to some some levels that are acceptable but as soon as someone hits the elevator button that says they're going to that floor things start turning on and start waking up Mm -hmm. so in the meantime if no one goes to that floor it completely shuts it down and that's that's how the whole building should work not necessarily floor by floor if you've got five offices in that building that don't get used till someone tries to unlock that door that room is still in standby and that's how these these buildings will function and drop that total cost drop that embodied energy you know not only through its construction orientation and processes but this whole interconnectivity it is our action that turns on an area remember how we talked about walking down the hall and the lights would turn on i know you were thinking i haven't forgotten it but i'm not (laughs) going to bring it up because you'll cut this whole segment out again 
but that's how the whole building works. And that's, that's kind of how you have that function. Now, the same thing happens with the electrical grid, where right now we just pump as much energy as we can based on the need. And if our need goes up, we just pump more in. And if the need goes down, we stop producing. The grid changes everything on how it functions. That's that micro smart grids where it can not only predict usage and need, but shift also with all clean inputs. This is, you know, solar, wind, hydro, tidal with a hydrogen fuel mix Mm -hmm. where if the city needs more, it fires up the hydrogen the hydrogen fuel, if it needs less, it shuts that down. If it's got too much, then it desalinates water on the coast areas to be able to feed the rest of the cities for both fresh water and fuel for the hydrogen fuel cell. So these are, this is how like your grid will work because your energy will change. Remember, transportation will change. You'll be charging in different ways. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has to be able to communicate. So if that grid knows section A, is doing just fine but section b is struggling it will start to move the balance of need from one to the other it'll start pulling electricity from another grid or another section over to this section and try to balance it out it will also communicate with those buildings Mm -hmm. are the building is there a problem with the buildings is it drawing too much energy for a reason are there a bunch of cars in the parking lot that are on chargers that are full but still pulling a trickle charge it can shut that down so uh, when we have things plugged into buildings like that, I know that when things are plugged in, even though they don't need power, they do still pull a tiny bit. Is there a way to stop that other than cutting the power off to them? No, you have to cut the power off to them because resistance. Okay. It is Well, it's trickle charging because batteries slowly degrade, mm-hmm. but it also is the resistance of, of electrons going from point A to point B. There's several things. You give off heat. That is a loss so that it tries to trickle it back in. But the, the fact is, is once it's full or close to full, it doesn't necessarily need, especially since the building will know, you don't, your alarm clock is set for eight. Mm-hmm. You're not even going to wake up till eight o'clock. So I've got maybe 45 minutes of charging to do. I'm shutting down the system. And at 730, I'm going to go ahead and start it back up, knowing that you're going to get up at eight because you've set your alarm at eight. So it's an interconnection communication between things that you don't think should be talking to each other Mm -hmm. that are integrated into a smart city. Okay. So now you don't have this this charge process because I charge it at nine o'clock at night, but I'm going to lose all night long and regain it all night long. When the the system can just analyze that if I don't charge anymore right now, by seven o'clock, it's going to need 45 minutes. And he's and he's not getting up till eight o'clock. I'll just disconnect. Well, yeah, we just kind of talked about well, we didn't talk about this. But we were talking about phones before we started recording and how like different chargers, you know, charge your phone different speeds. And I have a charger that will charge my phone in half an hour. So it serves a purpose to have it plugged in all night long. Well, it's it, 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 we have all these vehicles plugged into the system. Let's say there's all of a sudden a massive pull for one grid over another. Mm hmm. And let's say that it can't necessarily compensate with the neighboring grids. Well, it can compensate with the neighboring cars, pulling electricity from their batteries back into the grid system to help compensate, knowing that all it has to do is weather that storm, get to the other end, and before your 8 o'clock alarm is up, charge your car. You Mm -hmm. You know no different. We're just using stored power. That's what these systems will do, and we will not know that it ever happened. And we'll 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 produce less, we'll use less, and the efficiencies will go up. So that's that gives you an idea of that almost that Internet of Things conversation back and forth. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the bigger things that we're going to see in cities is transportation, not only the modes, because you're going to see a lot more of that mass transportation. Do you ever see an illustration where it shows forty people on a bus? And it has one bus with 40 people standing next to it. And then it has 40 people and there's all their separate cars. So you have 40 people standing there and 40 cars lined up down the road. Yeah. It's a very good illustration of what happens on a road. So you'll Mm -hmm. see a lot of mass transportation being as quick and as efficient as possible. Being able to get people from point A to point B without any discomfort. 
And that will be the goal of mass transportation because that will take a lot of cars right off the road. Plus, if the city is comfortable and inviting, you, you'll walk those short distances. You won't take the mass transportation three blocks. You'll walk the three blocks, which is its that's, own thing. That's a really good concept. Um, so public transportation really interests me in, in this uh and this, um, cate- I don't want to say category, but like in this concept about the smart cities, uh, transportation really interests me because I think that that could be a really useful way to um, cut the emissions that we currently produce down tremendously. If we could, you know, like you just described, find a way for people to really rely on the public transportation or get back to walking, riding bikes. Yeah. And, re- and remember when I talked about that clean input system. Mm-hmm. I guarantee someone right now is saying, well, there is no emissions. You're using a, an electric car on a clean grid. People but, have to make the electricity. Well, well, there is there, but there's equipment. There's remember embodied energy of something. So all those batteries, all those vehicles, they get built, they get all that material has to move, but the less that we have and the, the longer it lasts, the better. And that's mm-hmm. how the systems will be designed, that if there is cars, the goal is to use them less so they last longer. Mm-hmm. So more, you want to make it very easy for mass transit to be used. It creates a better flow of traffic. It becomes very, very easy to move from point A to point B. And if, like I said, the city is nice and the city is inviting and it's not this overwhelming thing to, to, to walk, you'll get off at the stop that fits you best and you'll walk the rest of the way. So it, it isn't just that process, but you, remember we talked about the traffic lights being on a timer. Mm-hmm. This will be machine learning. This will be a machine that learns with with additional sensors. You know, a lot of it won't be like radar, like a lot of things are. It will be tracking cell phones. So what? It, like right now, a, your GPS will tell you there's a crash ahead or a delay up ahead. Yeah. That, that delay is because it's tracking cell phones as they move and they've started to move slower. Mm-hmm. So once the cell phones start moving at a slower rate, the line on your G- GPS starts to turn like an orange. And once they stop, it turns red and then it assesses how many phones enter in and exit the amount of time. And then it gives you an assumed weight. That is how your GPS does the magic that is on your screen same thing happens in the thought process of the city the city is going to have all those same tracking devices so now it's communicating to the bus fifth street is is clogged well it kicks over to fourth and it starts to divert traffic which quickly alleviates the problem opens it back up and then continues it going again let's say one direction because of a sporting event Okay, you know, is clog something up? the The city itself will readjust. You'll have less lines in, way more lines out. There's even concepts out there of using solar roads to be able to put yes. arrows <laughs> to put arrows on streets, so these narrow streets all become one way at the end of sporting events. It just puts arrows down the road to let you know right Where now, right now, this is, is not a two way street. It allows everybody out it it lets people evacuate much quicker and then once it starts to alleviate the streets change back to their normal configuration as a two-way two-way street to be fair that seems like that'd be terrifying if like you're driving down the road and your car alerts you uh this road is going to be changing direction and then <laughs> 10 minutes you better get off well you're you're, you're traveling down blocks they're very short spans what will happen is, is the city will know if there's a car on that road it will turn on the red lights, so not allowing any more cars down the road. Once they all evacuate, it makes the change. It's still an intimidating concept to think about. But it's uh, really kind of cool that the city will learn the flow, ebbs and flows of what people do and make it easier for everybody else around to do the things that they want to do. Certain parts of town have street lights, mm-hmm. but no people that travel through there. Those will go down to standby lighting that like a real dim yellow lighting. And as you get closer or as the, the system sees a cell phone getting closer, the lights will slowly brighten up for you as you pass through there and then slowly dim back down, greatly reducing the amount of energy we use, but still giving you markers. So you know, your directions. I dig it. 
it will also greatly reduce wasted light it, that whole light pollution problem that we talked about not too long ago yeah. it will greatly reduce that because all this extra lighting for no purpose for no one around gets dimmed down to a marker and they could okay. even be led they can switch to red light and dim down and then as people approach it slowly shifts over to a blue light which is easier to see and brightens up the space and as you pass through dims back down shifts to a red it's actually a really cool concept. This, uh, this is just one of those things where, like, there's so many different aspects of it that I'm really having a hard time wrapping my brain around it. I'm trying to, like, everything you say, I'm trying to piece together in my head, but then it seems like such an in-depth concept that when you move onto the buildings and the roads and all the infrastructure separately, it just it's just huge. Yeah, and the city itself will learn from our actions to be more efficient. So if, let's say, school lets out in, in the wintertime and it's dark. Mm-hmm. You know, sporting events for the school let out or after school programs, they always let out at the same time. Just before they come outside, those lights turn and are, are brightened because they know they're going to be needed. Okay. I like and now, that. It knows the cell phones are in the building and it has to come out. So just before they come out, it creates this, this welcoming environment, safe environment. They leave, everything dims back down to a minimum. To a okay. So using sensors, but also primarily the Internet of Things, that interconnectivity discussion between all of our electronics is is the most important part. And then, of course, a centralized machine learning. And again, machine learning is not AI. AI learns to evolve and change based on its needs. Mm-hmm. Machine learning optimizes based on the inputs given. It, there is no thought per se. It's okay. taking it's taking the data, the numbers. If it's always 15, but it only accounts for seven, it will learn that it will need to be at 15. Oh, it's okay. not. Easy, you know. It's not making a decision. It's just taking that data and trying to optimize its answers. So, you know, transportation, transit, all that. And remember, that also means that you have to build your city and town with the complete streets design in mind where it doesn't matter where you get off at the bus stop almost everything you need is in the same block doesn't matter which block you're on that you you know people want restaurants they want a bank they want all these amenities they want to get their hair done all these things are done within little pockets and sections where when you get off the bus everything you need is right there now you might you might choose a different stop because you really like this restaurant but everything you need is there okay well, I kind of like that idea, though. I like that having the general amenities located so close to it that you don't have to travel, you know, unless you unless you have that one thing you really love. I I, I like having everything so convenient. And there was that word again. Mm-hmm. And again, the infrastructure system mm-hmm. is all designed to communicate with each other. So the water treatment plant sometimes has to cool water. And we see that in Frankenmuth and Holland, where they run it under the streets and create this heated streets, heated uh, sidewalks by using the, the wasted heat from another process. All that stuff gets integrated also. So you, you, your goal is to waste nothing. So if your waste management system scans and sees, mm-hmm. okay, everybody has put their trash out. Let's say they have a platform that you have to set it on. Well, that system, in a sense, weighs it and says, we don't need the big truck this week. We can go with the smaller truck, or we can expand our route with the bigger truck. We can have less trucks on the road. We can do this in a different way because there's less out there right now. And it can assess what it needs based on what we put out. Yeah. And keep all the excess off the roads. Right now, we just take a garbage truck. It starts a route, and when it's full, it goes it goes back to its home to dump, and the next truck shows up where that one left off. Mm-hmm. Group A is done for the day. They go dump their cube on the pile, clean their truck, and go home. While Group B now start, picks up where they left off. Well, what if we knew what we needed right off the get-go, and we just functioned in that way? Because there are times that there's less out there, and if there's less out there, why do we have so many things on the road? That's what this will do. The same thing will happen in the facility. When they start dumping this into the conveyor belt, we currently have magnets for the metals. We have, you know, different densities and weights fall to different levels, but it will be set up as a primarily almost everything is recycled in some manner. Hmm. Even if it's the paper getting shredded so it can be composted. 
you know, the paper gets shredded, the cardboard gets shredded, it gets mixed with the organic food waste, it gets spun in this large item, and then they lay it out on the ground so that in these long rows, so, so it becomes soil. And part of how the waste management company makes its money back is by having this rich soil that the community needs or the city needs for its projects. Okay, I didn't I didn't actually know that. Um I so to be fair, here waste management, I just I know they have a contract where they take a lot of garbage in from other places, but I just kind of thought that's how they got paid. I, I never well, they really, do. Our really, current system, they just throw it in a hole. Yeah. But they they should they actually have all these other financial opportunities that they don't actually use. They do that's collect the gas. They collect methane and sometimes mm-hmm. have contracts to sell the methane. That's the one off the one off gas that is counterproductive, but they could separate everything and almost nothing would go into the ground. Certain plastics would be, would be turned into pellets so that those pellets could then be used at other manufacturers, paper and cardboard, all that stuff could be shredded for composting the food waste the same. Of course, all the precious metals are just that even more precious now than they once were. You know, there's Mm -hmm. all these different processes they could do with waste. They just don't. We just throw it all in a hole so that we can mine it some other day. Well, yeah, I mean, that's really ultimately what's going to happen is hundreds of years after we're gone, people are going to be digging these holes and finding, you know, pieces of plastic and little bits of gold and little bits of platinum. And and they're going to think that there's, oh, my God, there's this big vein here and they're going to dig and dig and dig and they're going to find tiny little bits of things. And they're going to think, what were these people thinking? You know, why were they so, you know, just disposable? It's, yeah. it's it, it's unfortunate. It sucks. Well, a lot of things, everything will become, in a sense, automated. Mm-hmm. You know, we've already talked about farms being automated, but some of those large structures that don't need to be there anymore can turn into vertical farming, where the arm is centralized in the center and it functions to fit, to farm all the floors of the, mm-hmm. of the of the vegetables or lettuce or whatever it happens to be. We also optimize our our police and our fire response. Everything is based on anticipation. It's based on what is happening in the city in real time. And the city can react. The city itself can react to disaster or the possibility of disaster. If it starts uh, getting minor tremors, if it can now sense, based on the weather pattern, there's this percentage of a large tornado coming through the city. It will start to adapt change change the roadways keep people away from that disaster it will then react based on what it what it anticipates is coming that's kind of cool and could save the lives of up to millions of people because the city reacts to the to what we don't even know is coming yet it would be it'd be really cool to have warnings for things like uh like oh god what are they called when there's a tremendous wave like a Yeah, but I mean, caused by like, uh, is that the one that's caused by like an earthquake? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool to have warnings to that kind of stuff. It's I've I've watched videos where you you slowly watch the like I guess I'd call it the tide, but the water just retract off the shore, Mm -hmm. and you see it start to raise. It's just it's really ominous. It's something that I think that if I live on the coast, I'd be like perpetually terrified of all the time. Yeah, and it'd be nice that even when we're not paying attention, something is. Yeah, I like that. Actually, that may be one of the coolest phrase you, phrases you've ever said. You know, so if the city if the city feels tremors underneath, even if it's man-made, whatever it happens to be, it's out of the ordinary. This building structure is starting to move. It calculates, can this structure handle that movement? If it's anywhere within a safety factor, the building itself evacuates itself. Even okay. though it's a frequency we never felt. You know, so that's how a smart city would function communicating at all aspects for the benefit of the citizen. Well, I think in that regard, I think it's, it's a no brainer so that we should definitely move towards. I think there's lots of aspects of cities where they could improve. I think that for starters, as they, as these cities are being, I guess you call it renovated or, or torn down and rebuilt. I think downsizing is the, is the, is another key factor in it. You know, a lot of these cities originally were built to hold millions of people and, and now they, they don't. So they don't really, we don't need all those neighborhoods that no one lives in. I, I'd almost be willing to say kind of repurpose what you can reuse what you can. But if you have, you know, six or seven, maybe eight, nine acres worth of just residential where the houses are burnt or way beyond repairing, bulldoze them and turn them into farmland, grow something. I mean, maybe not farmland per se, but get a use out of it. I, I don't, I think that has a lot of wasted space, Michael. 
wasted. Yeah. And what happens is, is you start to shrink down, you build the core, you build yeah. the ba- you know, that two or three blocks is where you start and you get that thing working and people start to enjoy it. And you go to the next block and the next block and on its own, it does this growth where the, the homes and the apartment buildings and everything just starts to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And it, beca- it creates this massive symbiotic relationship between economics, social aspects, and environment. Mm-hmm. So now I am sure I missed a ton. So if anybody out there has other things that you think that should have been discussed in this episode, send us a message. We always please, like to hear that. Please do. And I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to apologize for my lack of uh, interjections and, and quippy comebacks. And I, I've, I spent this entire one learning. I, I don't really know much about this. So I'd, it's uh kind of blows me away. That's all right. Next week, you'll be doing all kinds of talking because we're going to talk about sustainability and vacations. And you've been wanting to talk about things like cruises now for a while. Well, I brought the cruise ship thing up months ago. So you'll get that opportunity next week. But thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or, on, or just on social media. You know what? We're even okay if you share it with people you don't like. I'm totally cool <laughs> with that too. If you want to, if you want to support realistic sustainability in other ways, you can always support us through our sustainer on the anchor hosting site or on greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast. But at the very minimum, please do us one huge favor. Leave us a five-star review, click a like, click a follow, anything that shows interaction that tells people you're listening to us that helps us out tremendously. So thank you for doing that. And again, We're only getting together each week so we can get a little bit better every single day. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we will see you next week. What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air.